Good morning, everyone. I'm glad to see you all here. We've had a change of time. So we're not a full packed house this morning, but we are here to give God glory. Amen, amen. So let us please stand. We're gonna open with a word of prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come before you right now just giving you thanks for this day, Lord. Thank you for waking us up this morning. Thank you for allowing this moment to happen. There are those here in person and there are those watching virtually, Lord God, who have been given another opportunity to receive your word, Lord God. So we are just thankful to you for who you are and what you do in our lives. You continue to protect us and shield us, Lord God. You continue to provide for us, Lord God. And most of all, you continue to love us, Lord God. And we are thankful to you. Be with us on this morning so that we may be convicted and touched by your word, Lord God. Help us to understand it so that we may apply it in our lives, Lord God. I pray for those who are unable to be here this morning. I hope that they are okay, Lord God. I pray for those who are lost and in despair, Lord God, that they will turn to you. I hope that we as believers here can share our testimony with others, Lord God. Be that beacon of light on your behalf, Lord God, to others who are lost. So help each and every one of us. We all need you, Lord. We all need you, Lord, each and every day. I praise you and love you and thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and give thanks. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to need help from everybody. You guys ready? Because our God is greater. So let us all praise and worship together. to wine. Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. None like you. Into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise. There's no God is greater. 
God is greater. He's stronger. He's higher than any other. Our God is healing, awesome and power. Our God, our God. Y'all believe that this morning? Amen. I'm grateful to God because he is all things, all powerful. He is worthy. Amen. 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 So last week, we started studying what book? Proverbs. And Pastor Costin charged us with reading a chapter a day, one chapter per day for a month. So as we are diving in to Proverbs, the book of wisdom, I'm sure there's been times we have all needed guidance, direction, instruction, and wisdom. Would you agree? So this morning, I want us all to kind of think about that time when we really, really needed instruction and guidance. Just close your eyes and think about that as we sing, open my heart. It's just me and you I feel so lost And I don't know what to do Now what if I choose The wrong thing to do I feel so afraid Afraid of disappointing you so I need to talk to you and ask you for your guidance, especially today when my world seems so cloudy. Guide me until I'm Boom. 
morning. Wow, if that song hasn't set your heart, I'm going to ask you to pause and reflect for a little bit and let it. Um, and that you do indeed seek the Lord's guidance, guidance as he seeks, as he desires your heart to be open. Um, this morning, I just want to go ahead and jump into our word. We can do any announcements or anything we have at the end. Um, as our sister, Melanie, has <clears throat> hopefully set our hearts, helped to set our hearts, created an environment that we can set our hearts in the right place. Um, we are continuing the way of wisdom. I don't know about you, but if you are living day to day, you are realizing that you are in need of either leaning back or learning some new instruction, leaning back on that which you've learned, or learning some things new so that you can handle your day, your week, your month, or 
you are learning that there are some things that you are to avoid, either by experience in your current situation or by what people have told you in the past. And so what you are understanding that you need to do is that you, in life, you are needing to discover and decide what you are going to embrace and what you are going to avoid. We are always doing that throughout our day, even if we don't realize it. We are choosing to embrace or we are choosing to reject and avoid. And depending on what you choose and how you choose it will govern the direction of your life and thus the quality of your life. We're not talking about quality. I'm not talking about your material possessions or whether you are, you know, you are living your dream or, or you are doing your best you. I, I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how is your life being lived out under the watchful eye and the direction of the Lord that you claim to follow? Because that's ultimately what matters. It is how is my quality of life, how is the tone and the tenor of the way that I'm living, how are my choices sitting with the Lord? Because ultimately, he's the one that must be pleased. He's the one that must give the stamp of approval of how you're living and when you finish. This month we have in sorrow have, you know, dealt with the going home of one of our sisters earlier this month. And then, of course, we have heard the news of uh, Sister um, Deborah Brown's sister as well, who has gone home to be with the Lord. And, and, and talking with both of the families, you once again get that moment to reflect, not just on them and helping the family, but how you are living, how I am. What stamp will be on my life when it's done and what stamp is being placed on there as it's being lived? And so today, as we get into <clears throat> walking down this road of the way of wisdom, we are going to camp out in Proverbs 1. And in Proverbs 1, they, this, this whole proverb, after giving you the purpose and after setting the, 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 the environment and the context for this book, now begins to give you some first instructions. And it's interesting what those first instructions are. But I'm going to ask us to pray first, and then we are going to jump on in. Pray with me, please. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you, Lord, that we are here again. Lord, asking for your guidance, not just on Sunday, but, Father, indeed, every day. But today, as we gather corporately, as we gather as a people under your name <clears throat> and because of your finished work, Father, we pray that you would give us understanding and insight. Lord, we need you more than ever. Father, we may have accomplished some great things this week and up until this point in our lives, 
we may have done well, we may have succeeded, Lord, and achieved, and yet we need you. Father, I pray this morning that anyone that is sitting here that came in, Father, with a mind that was not quite sure of where to go and how to turn, would find that resting place in you and in your wisdom and in your understanding. I pray that they would be encouraged, Father, that you see them right where they are, that you know their situation, that you know their destination, Father, and what you are calling them to. Lord, I just pray for those that came in encouraged. Father, they would continually find their encouragement in the word, which is displaying who you are and how they are to live. I pray, Lord, that they would seek to encourage others if they are enjoying encouragement right now. Father, I pray for those whose hearts may be heavy, <clears throat> that, Lord, that they would realize in you God, will that burden be lifted? Father, you can shoulder any burden that life brings. And you call us to be able to trust you and walk in you. Lord, so that we could cast those cares on you. Father, because we know you care. And so this morning, I pray, Lord, that we would demonstrate Oh, God, that great power that you have resting in us who believe that we would live according to your promise and your word. And for those that don't know you, I pray, God, that they would see today the urgency and the reason, oh, God, that knowing you is worth it. So, Father, open our eyes, increase our understanding, and give us wisdom. In Christ's name, amen. So Proverbs chapter 1, I'm going to read as we go along. I'm not going to read the whole thing up front for the sake of time. But this thing starts off, those who will live a life of wisdom must know what to embrace and what to avoid. And this is every day. This is daily. You must know what to embrace and what to, and what to avoid, avoid, excuse me, but understanding clearly from the beginning that the first step to a meaningful life is beginning by fearing the Lord. We learned that last week, by fearing the Lord. That is this reverence and, 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 and with a sense of terror, not an unholy and not an unhealthy terror, but this sense of terror in that you realize that you are dealing with a being far greater, far powerful, perfect in all of those ways, and he invites you in to live in him. I'll never forget my brother. One of my older brothers has been an electrician for, I don't know, 30, 35 years. <clears throat> and he talks about learning to respect the power of electricity. And, and, and he is... He is not a small man. <clears throat> um, all of you know my son, and he doesn't get his height from his dad nor his mom. You already realize that when you look at him, uh, that he gets it from uh, another part of the family of which um, I didn't get. But um, he kind of shares that build with 
one of the brothers, and big guy. And he says, I walked into a generator room once. He said, you don't, you don't fear it unhealthy, otherwise you can't work around it. He says, but you respect its power. And he says, I've walked into generator rooms. The moment you open the door, you can feel the electricity physically like a fog. He says, your hair stands up. That much power is running in the room, although it's in the machine. He shares the story of making a mistake once, and he says once only. And thankfully, he said he hit it with the back of his hand that he hit a power <clears throat> source. And he was on the ladder. And as big of a guy he is, it said it knocked him off the ladder. And he was fortunate that he said I hit it with the back of my hand and not the front because y'all would be having my memorial service. See, the issue is there is this healthy respect for and you don't play with. We, we, we know that. Growing up in New York, you know, we would see people crazily jumping on the tracks and those two rails you can climb over and touch. But there was one that was protected by this covering. It wasn't fully protected. You could hit it. But if you did, you better know the Lord because you were either meeting him or you were going somewhere else. It was called the third rail. Because the third rail in the New York City subway system is where all the power that runs the trains lie. And so you had these two, it didn't seem like much. But that one, everyone knew you better respect it. That's the kind of, and even beyond, <clears throat> fear, healthy terror that we are to have for the Lord. And I think the problem is, Many of us don't. We think God is just a suggestion, something my parents did, or something that I think is good to add into your life, like it was a piece of a recipe. That if you want a healthy life, add God to it. No, if you even have life, God must have brought you to life. You don't add God to anything. And understanding, he says, the fear of the Lord is just where it starts. If you are to enjoy wisdom, it is only out of a healthy relationship with God. Otherwise, you won't understand wisdom. And so today, <clears throat> why is it that many of us have issues with wise living? It's because we have issues with a relationship with God in Christ Jesus. And so I want us to always remember that when he starts us off <clears throat> in verse 7 of chapter 1, that is to be remembered throughout the book. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And if you can remember that as you read through the book, it will help guide your thoughts. And so then we get now into the first part of embracing the right life instruction. <clears throat> embracing the life right, the, the, the right life instruction. You hear parents speaking to a son. Now, the assumption is that these are godly parents. They're not just anybody's parents. These are parents who are doing verse 7. Or guardians that are doing verse 7. And the narrator is speaking as if he is speaking to a son. 
and giving advice. This is, this is a son who is old enough to be doing some things on his own, and it does include daughters as well. The context of the culture at the time is they would talk to their sons as they were going out and beginning to live life on their own and doing life their own way. And he says, hear my son. He says, embrace the right life instruction. Hear my son, your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching. And those two words that they used, instruction, and that particular one for fathers, and I think it gives good insight, fathers, into what we should be doing with our children if we are indeed godly. That word instruction really is talking about boundaries, is creating boundaries. Hear what your father is giving you that will help structure how you are living in life. There was a study done, it's interesting, years ago about kids and playgrounds. I remember this one, and it said, <clears throat> when you put a fence around the playground and send the kids out, they did this various times, the kids will hang out all into the fence, in the fence, at the playground, they're scattered throughout. And then the study said, take away that fence, and they all huddled in the middle. Why? Because they didn't know their boundaries. They didn't know where to go and where not. And so many times when kids are pushing against, it's not just that they are wanting to rebel. They're trying to see if this is truly the fence. And if you give in, all they're saying is, oh, that really was just a paper fence. That wasn't a fence. There are no boundaries. And so the father is meant to, not that the mother can't because she can't, but the father is meant to create and give boundaries out of he himself living a godly life. And so he gives those instructions so that when they go out, they know boundaries themselves and they can begin to live out of those boundaries as they discover and pass those on as well. I'm not talking about cultural boundaries either. I'm talking about godly ones. I'm not talking about political boundaries either. I'm talking about godly ones. I'm not talking about social boundaries. I'm talking about godly ones, which come from the word. And that one for teaching and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Again, it is, that is nurturing instruction that will help you grow up. And so you have protector, boundary setter, and nurturer to help you to grow. And that is the home in which puts out the kind of people that God wants in his world. Knowing your boundaries, nourished for growth. And so he says, hear, my son, your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching. And then he says, why? I love that because he gives reason. Because know that kids are going to ask why. Why? Because they will be these crowning accessories on your life. The garland wreath was one that was given, especially at the end of a race one. That's what they gave. You had the garland. You had, you had that victor's wreath that was placed around your head and said that you had run well and you won well. And then the chain around the necks was an adorning accessory that, that added beauty 
to a life that was already beautiful. And so what they're saying is you learning to live according to the instructions of other godly people in your life that God has placed. It could be parents. It could be other godly men and women that you know. It could be a pastor or other leader. As you are living by the instruction that you are receiving, that you know is from a godly source and a godly place, anchored in God's word, he said, it becomes crowning beauty to your life. You look, it makes you look more beautiful. People will turn and wonder. They will want to be around you. You will become a person of influence because most of the world is not living like that. People will want to be in your company. They will trust your judgment and your words. Why? Because your life is beautiful. And so the parents are saying, look, man, look, look, hear it. Don't forsake it. Look, hear it. Embrace the right life instruction. But then as they share that, they give the second one, avoid the path of evil associates. Look, I can hear parents. My parents did that. Many of yours probably did as well. Watch who you run with. That's what they say next. Watch who you run with. See, many of you thought your parents just kind of made that up. Watch who you run with. Now, that was happening way back then. Watch who you run with. Because he gets right into it when he says, my son. And I love this because this is, this, is, this is the instructions of a loving protector who has walked some road himself. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole. Like those who go down to the pit, we shall find precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. Now, I said to you last week when we were opening this that, that um, Proverbs, because of its poetic nature as well, has a lot of imagery in it. And so as you're hearing those words, some of them don't make sense to us, but think of the imagery of the time. And they were creating this image of what things were going to be like when folk come on you that want you to walk down a road that was not meant for you to walk. I love this. He says, he says, look, here's what you need to avoid. Sinners are going to entice you. And I like that entice, that word means to lure you away. And the only way you are lured away is if there is something on the lure that you like. See, you can't, you can't tempt someone with something they don't like. If you're on a diet and you don't like chocolate cake or you don't like coconut cake, I can put it in front of you all day long. You're not breaking that diet. But let me find out what you like. All of a sudden, you sweating. You trying to rethink, can this be a cheat day or not? Can I make it up later? See, the issue is, ah, I found something. See, James was on to that when he said, God didn't draw you away. Don't blame God on this. 
God doesn't tempt people with evil. That sin found something in you like a fish hook and was just bringing you in. And the word of God, by the power of the spirit of God, should be stopping and saying, now you know better than that. Now you know how this is going to end, buddy. Come on. We need to change your desires because what you desire is getting you in trouble. And so he says here, if sinners entice you, if they find something you like, if they say to you, and, 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 and here's what it is, look. He says, I want you to avoid these people that will come to you for several reasons. I just read that. He says, number one, they value material gain above God and people. I want you to notice when we go down to verse 13, we shall fill, we shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Now, interesting verse, but if you read the ones before that, they consider the goods precious, but what about the people? Let's see what they say about the people. Come, verse 11, come with us. Let us lie in wait for blood. What? Wait? What? Hold on a second. You consider the goods precious, but the people as property. It's no problem. I can shed someone else's blood. That's no big deal. I can steal from someone. I can cheat someone. And don't just think cheating means you go up and take their physical possession by force in front of them. You can be cheating a number of ways. Let's open that up. It says that you lie in wait. In other words, you take advantage of those who are unsuspecting. They don't believe that you will take advantage of them, and it would lead to their harm. It doesn't always have to lead to their death. The imagery created here is one of you are unconcerned about how what you are doing to people will affect people. And you got folk that say, hey, come and join me. Sometimes it does manifest itself in robbery. And we hear enough of that on the news. It manifests itself in taking from someone or harming someone. But how else does it manifest itself when we snatch things from people, knowing that we're doing it? We are manipulative and we are deceptive and we lead people on to believe things and knowing that we are trying to take from them and they not and 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 they haven't caught on yet. And so he says if they entice you, if they value material gain above the people of God or above God and people, excuse me, they desire material gain at the cost of other people's lives. In other words, I am going to get mine regardless of what it does to you. And thus, we've had those schemes on Wall Street and other things like that where they have led people to invest in things. And they were robbing from them all the while. Or you get them to come to your website knowing that your website is just a shell and it's fake and it's phony. Or you get people to believe that you're a particular kind of person when you really aren't. You just want something from them. Avoid the path of evil associates. They pretend to have value, which is funny. After robbing people blind, verse 
14 says, throw in your lot among us. In other words, come on and be our buddies. We will all have one person. We're going to share. What? After what I just, after what you just said in them other verses, how am I going to trust that you're going to share? Really? You're going to get all of it, and then I'm going to be a I'm going to be an albatross. I'm going to be weight. And you're going to be trying to ditch me like you just ditched these other people. Come on, we're going to share. There's honor among thieves. Avoid the path of evil associates. But here's what it says, too, that they are unaware of. My son, do not walk with them, verse 15, in the way with them. And, and my son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. You will see throughout this book way and path mentioned. They're talking about lifestyle, life choices. Way and path always spoke of how you're living, how you are choosing to live, the direction of your life. And so he says, don't choose their way of life. That's what he's saying. Wise father, godly father. Don't choose the way of their life. God's speaking through the father. He says, because it looks good. The money might even be good. You're going to get on that job and they say, hey, don't, don't, you know what? Fudge, fake your business report. You can get more money out of it. Say you did this and you really didn't. You can get more money out of it. We all are doing it. As a matter of fact, this company's got money. They ain't going to care. Bruh, go and get yours while you can. And he says, verse 16, for their feet run to evil. Their purpose, they are on a crash course with evil, and they make haste to shed blood. They have no problem hurting others to get what they want. But then he says, look, for in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. What they're saying is they're throwing this. You can't catch a bird if the bird sees you throwing the trap net. But what he's alluding to for them is they should see that they're setting their own trap. You can see that it is a trap, so don't go there. They should see, but they don't. He says, but these men lie in wait for their own blood they set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. You have to, and, and, and he sets at the end of his warning, he gives what is going to happen if you go that way, eventually. How many people that have joined in had no idea that it would end the way they did. When we listen to the news and we hear three men robbed a store and one was killed, and that one that was killed, you find out later was somebody who they asked to join in, shouldn't have been there, had no business, didn't know that it was going to end like that, or someone joining on a financial scheme that was going to hurt people, and all of a sudden, yeah, it was good for X amount of time. It was good, but then you got caught. I was reading through the news thing the other day, there was a guy years ago, I was telling my wife this, who deemed himself the lottery lawyer. He kind of got himself in to get with big lottery winners to be their lawyer. He was an attorney, did well, young guy, in his, you know, and, and, and I did it for years in his 40s. Come to find out he was scheming with organized crime. 
and got himself in over his head. And boy, they were going to threaten him now. So here this guy was. Actually, what they were doing over the years was scheming people. And now the feds are on and up and after. I'm like, yeah, it was good. It said he was he was living life in his 40s, private jets and and fancy vacations and all of that. It caught up. As it always will. People say, well, well, it didn't catch up to him. Oh, no, no, no. You didn't see it catch up. It always will. Sin will catch up with you. It will grab and expose you eventually. It's just a matter of how long it takes. Some people get caught right away. Some people it takes a long time. I remember early days of my faith when I would try and do something crazy or silly and would get caught, would get exposed and get busted. I would get, I would have the nerve to get mad at God. God, like, really, like, you, you, didn't, even, you didn't even let me run with this. Like, like I, I would get exposed and caught, like, right away. Really? First of all, that whole line of reasoning was so warped. But then I would hear this, you should be glad. I didn't let you run with that. I didn't let you create a habit out of it. I didn't, and I didn't allow you to make a lifestyle of it. Yeah, I let you be caught because I wanted you to see this is not you. I wanted you to know what happens early on. And so I did. I, well, Lord, thank you. <laughs> Questioning was rather dumb. I understand that. But thank you. And so he says here, look, they don't realize, avoid the path. They are unaware or unconcerned over the personal danger. One, they are trapping themselves, they are ambushing themselves, and they are snatching away their own lives. I put here Proverbs eleven seven. I'm going to turn here and just read it real quick. It says, when the wicked dies, his hope will perish, and the expectation of wealth perishes too. See, what that is saying is, look, when the wicked dies and whatever hope that he had based on his wealth and his riches and his status went with it to him to the grave. And his wealth ain't helping him at all either. It's not doing anything. What he is saying is that everything that is on this world for you that may be helping you ends when you die. It has no effect in eternity on you. So no matter how well-connected, how wealthy, how educated, how anything you fill in the blank that comes from this world, when you end, so does it. The only thing is that you don't end. You keep going. Had someone share with me years ago, everyone lives forever. Everyone. Everyone is going to live forever. Forever. It just says, it's just where you're going to live forever. And boy, that kind of shook me when I was like, oh, yeah, he said, everyone is eternal. Where are you going to live eternally, though? That's up to the choices that you make in life. And so then he says, embrace the right life direction, I mean, instruction, avoid the path of evil associates. Then it says, embrace wisdom in obedience. Embrace wisdom in obedience. And here you get the intro, which you will get even more throughout the book of woman wisdom. Wisdom is now <clears throat> personified as a woman to be in a healthy relationship with, 
That's what wisdom is now. And the wisdom of God here is personified in woman wisdom. And you'll see that throughout the book. And as we get down into chapters 8 and 9, which is going to be soon, you will see that fleshed out even more. Woman wisdom. And you get here that embrace wisdom in obedience. And so you get the, you get the intro. You also see that wisdom preaches, teaches, and counsels. You get that throughout the time. So wisdom is being dispensed by preaching, by teaching, by good counsel, by demonstrating, by showing. In other words, God is providing opportunities for wisdom for all of us in a healthy relationship with him as we are looking at and are are taking advantage of how he's presenting it. And here are the results of it. I'm going to give you the results first. I'm going to give you the good. Wisdom's guarantee. You go to the end of chapter one. I'm, well, I'm sorry. First at the beginning of it, um, of that section. Verse 23. If you turn at my reproof, and reproof is correction. In other words, no, that's not right to do. No, here it is. Behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. It's the promise. It is this guarantee that wisdom will be poured out in your life. If you you listen, you'll have it. If you go after it, you will be able to attain it. Wisdom's word will make known for you to use in life. And so folks will be like, man, how are you so wise? How are you so smart? It's nothing secret. It's nothing special. I'm listening to what I've been instructed. But also, at the end, it gives you what will happen as well. Verse 33, but whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. See, people, all of these people who were up to schemes and up to plots and plans and were manipulating and abusing and using people were living their life looking over their shoulder. They knew it. They, they knew it always. At any point, I could be caught. This could be, I could be exposed. This could blow up in my face. I could be in trouble at any point. So I'm always looking over my back. I'm always living with the dread of disaster. What if I get caught? Always. And when you are living that way, there is this uneasiness in your life. You have to always have a contingency plan if someone finds out. The only problem is you can't have enough contingency to cover sin. The only contingency for sin is repentance and to place it under the blood of Christ. Confess it, repent, and then be able to live free. And people will tell you they had lived their most free when they decided they were going to fess up, come clean, tell it and say it, and be done with it. Whatever the consequences, at least, and I've heard this from so many people, I'm not looking over my shoulder. And please, let's not go to the extreme and say, yeah, that's those people. How are we looking over our shoulder 
with how we are living and what we are doing in life. The stuff no one sees of what we're about. The stuff that no one hears what we're into. The stuff that no one knows what may be those secret areas that I'm dabbling in and doing because no one will ever find out. Hey, it's not going to harm anyone. It's just me. God goes, oh, really? And so when I decide to expose it, will it just be you? See, the issue is, he says, look, the benefit, I love it, but whoever listens to me will dwell, will live, will stay secure and be at ease. In other words, you, you, you want to live your best life? Live it according to the wisdom of God knowing that the decisions that you've made are based on what God approves. And even if they don't turn out how you wanted them to, I'm still at ease. Why? Because I'm living to prove the life in God. This doesn't promise that you're going to have an easy life. When it says at ease, ease is that I made the right decision to do things God's way. I don't have to worry about anything else. And it goes for anything. My relationships, the way I got involved, God's way. My job and my job search and my job performance, God's way. My marriage, God's way. My parenting, God's way. My finances, God's way. You can just go on my education attainment, God's way. I didn't cut any corners. I didn't go against God. And so whatever I attain, I attain with a level of ease. God, I know you are in this and you are behind it. So even if it seems to blow up, I'm good. I ain't got to worry. Why? Because I'm in you. And you are with me. And regardless, I know that your hand is always providing what you want at the moment. And so that's the ease. No fear. And then lastly, avoid rejecting wisdom's call and commands. That's the last one. Avoid rejecting wisdom's call and command. I love this. This is something to understand. If you go back to the beginning of that wisdom section, wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the market, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. Something that I was made aware of is that wisdom is speaking in an environment where no one is actually there to hear her. They didn't come to those places to hear from wisdom. She's having to speak above the noise and above the action of everyday life. Get that. Wisdom is available and actually out there every day. It's available, but it has to speak above the noise of all the distractions of your world. It says she speaks in the, in the streets, which means the everyday bustle and busyness. God is saying, my wisdom is available for you as you are in the streets. At the marketplace, when you are doing business, going about your career. Wisdom is available for you to know how to handle yourself in the marketplace, in the business place, how you're going about it. God says, it's there too. I'm crying. You've got to listen. You've got to go beyond the distractions that are there. 
I love this, above the noise of the end of the street where people stop and gather. I love that term, above the noise. Are you hearing God above the noise of life? Or are you so busy in life you can't hear anything? At the gate entrance when it's open, because at the gate is where the people of influence were. At the gate is where decisions were made. The city gate was closed at night for protection and opened in the day. And when it was opened up, business could happen. But at the gate was both, was both influence and high regard. And so I was asking you, asking you for sure, look, wisdom is at every place and turn of your life. It's available. She's crying out. She's giving you the wisdom. Are you listening? But then, boy, it gets into the rejection. This is our last section, and then I have some questions for you. The results of rejection. Actually, what I want to look at is how we reject wisdom. Verse 22, she asked how long, and that's that simple. Simple means immature, inexperienced naive. You just don't know because you haven't experienced. But verse 23 starts it. How do we reject knowledge? I'm sorry, verse um, 24. Because I have called and you refuse to listen. So number one, we refuse to listen. Here's the implication. You hear it. You hear exactly what's being said and you make a choice, nah, I'm good. You refuse to listen. That's what it means. It doesn't mean that you shut off the ability to hear sound. No. It just means what I heard, I'm not following by choice. First way, we ignore. The second way that we reject, next verse. Have stretched, I have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded. So you don't heed the hand of help of wisdom. Wisdom gives you a way to live, stretching out the hand, let me help you. Now I'm good. I don't need it. Next one is, because you have ignored all my counsel, you are actually getting counsel. And it may even be implied that you sat down to receive it, got up and decided, I don't want that one. And then lastly, he says, you don't want any of her correction because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. Later, it says that you hated God's knowledge. That is a choice. You hear it and you go, I, 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 I'm tired of that. I don't want to hear this God stuff anymore. Heard that all my life. I'm going to try it on my own. I don't need God with this. Hating the knowledge that God is giving. I'm going to do this myself. I'm good. I've learned enough. But look at what happens, man. When life hits, you will suffer. It says when calamity hits, wisdom will laugh. Why will wisdom laugh? Well, wisdom actually sounds really harsh. It says I will laugh and I will mock. Why? Because you thought wisdom was outdated, irrelevant, wasn't what you needed, wasn't enough. And so it actually stands as mocking you when you when life blows up in your face and you look and you see, had I done that, 
Wisdom is like, yeah, had you done that, you wouldn't be here right now, homie. If you did this, life would be different. It's not that wisdom is this evil thing mocking you. It is that what was right to do is staring you in the face and going, yeah, you chose something different, didn't you? Yeah, you didn't want me. Oh, you thought this was crazy. Oh, you thought your parents were just blowing smoke. Mm -hmm. And see, what ends up happening is it has a way. It has a way. I've told some of you this story. I'll never forget. I, I, um, growing up in New York, my mom used to tell me I had a, had a horrible temper. And I thank God for the spirit of God that breaks that, had horrible temper. And my mother used to tell me repeatedly, boy, you are growing up in the wrong city to have that temper. She told me, boy, you are growing up in the wrong city to have that temper. That temper is going to get you killed one day. She would say, Curtis, that temper is going to get you killed. You need to stop. Now, I remember coming home from work. Now, I'm going to set the context. I was on staff at that time with Campus Crusade for Christ. Coming home in the car that the Lord had allowed me to have, my first car, 1980, Toyota Celica. Man, I remember that. <laughs> Manual, stick shift. I had to learn to drive that joke and to buy it. Bought that thing for 500 bucks. Guy almost gave it to me, but he, uh, which I'm glad he had me pay for it. As broke as I was, I'm serious. I made payments on that. I didn't give him 500 at one time. And I'm coming home in the summer, and as usual, around this one area, there's traffic that just bottlenecks as you're trying to get down to my area. And I'm coming down and riding, and this guy just just ignorantly comes and just cut, cut and cuts. And I was like, really? And in my mind, just leave it alone, don't say anything. In my mind, I'm like, whatever. And I pull up beside him, and there's no automatic. I roll my window down. And his was already down. And I said, really, dude? In this traffic, did you need to do all that? And he looks at me, leans on his seat, and had a nine millimeter, I remember that. And he pointed up at me, he just said, what? I'm, I'm talking about four or five in the afternoon. Cars packed all around us. Yeah, Brooklyn can be crazy. And he puts it up and says, what? And I looked at him and I said, nothing. <laughs> and can I tell you the first thing I could hear wisdom mocking my silly behind. The first thing I heard, I kid you not, Curtis, that temper is going to get you killed. I don't know why I heard my mom saying that, and I was like, after that point, I, I don't think I've ever said anything to anyone in traffic where they could hear me. Oh, I said it under my breath in my car. Mm-mm. Mm -mm. That day, I was mocked, seriously, because wisdom looked at me and said, oh, okay, so how did that go? God is telling us, look, it's going to mock when calamity hits, when you thought you could handle it on your own, when the, when the terror of the storm, because storms are going to hit, when the terror of the storm comes, is going, boy, you in trouble because you can't handle it. Please pray for me. I don't know. I'm just so afraid right now. And, and 
God is like, I gave you what you needed. You didn't want it. And he finishes up. He says, they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Understand this. Wisdom is preparatory in nature. It is preparing you for something down the road now. So if you ignore it when you go to get it, it's going to say, this takes time, bruh. You ain't getting this in one day. Oh, I was warning you before. Now that you're here, this ain't going to help you right now. I'm not now. Does God's mercy kick in? Yes, but you can't bank on God being merciful all the time. Sometime you are going to have what it says here in the next verse. I know we, 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 we are a little long, but hear me. Stare at me for just a moment. He says, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof, all the things that they said that you rejected. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. He said, I'm going to give you what you wanted. I am not available right now to you. You got it, baby, all yours. And some of us right now are living with the, you got it, baby, all yours in our lives. We are dealing with and we are living with our choices. And God says to us, oh, he still loves us. Come on. He hasn't thrown us to the curb. These are one of those moments, you know, when you're trying to teach the baby how to be potty trained and they do their thing and you're like, I ain't changing that diaper right now. No, no, no. We're going to wait. They'll be like, wait, wait. I thought that I do this. You change real quick. No. You sit in it. <laughs> and you're like. Little kid's like, well, come on, party. I was like, oh, you can talk now. See, the issue is for us, sometimes God says, nah, I'm going to let this wait for a little bit. Oh, you, you, you still mine. That's the reason why you're being disciplined. Hebrews tells us God loves those he disciplines. I'm sorry, I'm sorry he, he, he disciplines sorry, those, those he loves. He disciplines them. He chastens them. And for some of us, for many of us, I would dare say for all of us, there's been a point in time in our life when we have experienced the discipline of the Lord. The Lord says, you got that. That's yours, remember? He says, look, the last thing he says, the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them. The simple, those that are naive, think they know everything, don't know anything, are, you know, they are killed a lot of things are ended because they turn away from what's good and to, out of their simpleness, go to what's wrong. And then number two, the fools, the one who just generally disregard God, I don't want you, they do nothing and their complacency, because they don't know what to do, they do nothing, destroys them. You could have been doing something and it would have helped you. See, sometimes God places it in our lives and for us that there are things that we need to be doing, but when we are not listening to wisdom, we don't know what to do. And thus, we don't do anything. And it destroys us. Listen, let me ask you some questions. What path will you choose or what path are you choosing right now? How are you choosing to live? Who and what will you listen to 
And what will you pattern your life after? Who and what? Who are you patterning your life after? Be honest with yourself. I know we in church and we all look good and we all dressed up and we, you know, and, 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 and for many of us, it's interesting. I mean, for, for us at all, someone said, I'm not so sure why people are upset with wearing masks to church. We've been wearing them for years. I was like, wow, you just said something there. And so we're covering up. And God says, I'm giving you the opportunity. We're covering up, giving the opportunity. Will wisdom adorn your life like an appropriate accessory? Or will your destruction be evident as God gives you what you wanted? Wisdom calls every day in places where she is needed but not wanted. Wisdom calls every day in places where she is needed but not wanted. Don't let that be us. Choose the way of wisdom. Know what to embrace and what to avoid. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you have given us your word to wisely guide us. Father, it instructs, it directs, it points. It helps, it, 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 it moves us in the right direction. Oh, it's not always pleasant, but it moves us in the right direction. And Father, I pray that we would be people that would walk after you, after your wisdom, according to your way, so that our life would be adorned with the beauty of holiness and of a healthy life. I pray that you would help us in Christ's name, amen.